It was now the sixth hour. And there was a darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said that, he breathed his last. Now when a centurion saw that this had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that assembled in this for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all of his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance, watching these things. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So in our passage tonight, we see something that is incredibly significant. And it is worthy of our, our utmost attention. In the entire history of this planet Earth, and I don't care how, million, how many millions or billions of years you think that it's been around, or how many thousands of years you think this Earth has been around, there has nothing like this has ever taken place, and it will never, ever take place again. Never. In our passage today, God died. Not just some random man, random person, but God himself. After all, Jesus was God, and in the book of Colossians, Paul said, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily in Jesus Christ. In John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is God. He's eternal. And, and Paul, when he was describing this Jesus to his friend Timothy, said, To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So what's so powerful about this very moment is that we get to see the King Eternal, the King Immortal, die. His death, not just His work on the cross, but His actual death matters. So often in evangelical churches, we just focus on the actual, man, His blood was shed. That's a big deal. But the reality is His actual death last dying moments are absolutely critical for us to understand. And here's, here's a few reasons Jesus, why his death actually mattered. Jesus had to be resurrected. He died. He was buried. Three days later, he came back to life. God raised Jesus from the dead. The moment that he raised, was raised from the dead, he defeated death. In that moment, defeated death. And that, my friends, is a big deal. He defeated an enemy that has been whipping our butt ever since Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. So Jesus is victorious over death. And if you are in Christ Jesus, the reality is, if you are trusting for Him as your Lord and Savior, then you are also going to be victorious over death. The death of Jesus is important because Jesus beat it. 
And because he beat it, we too will. But we also see that his death is also an example for us. Every one of us, whether we want to think about it or not, every one of us at some point in the near future are going to die. Unless Jesus comes back, which we all hope that he does, we will all die. The average age for our church right now is 27. The life expectancy in the United States is 76. Some of you are closer. Some of them are farther. But the reality is, that is not very long. We are all going to be dying. Death is going to be an event that each and every one of us is going to experience. So through his last words, Jesus does something significant. He, he offers us a very precious gift. We get to see the God-man die. We get to watch him go through something that we all eventually will go through ourselves. He not only paid the price to get us to glories, glory, he also gives us an example of how we get to glory. The question is not if you are going to die. The question is, how are you going to die? And I'm not talking about, in this moment, I'm not talking about the circumstances of your death. I'm not talking about cancer. I'm not talking about heart disease. I'm not talking about obesity. I'm not talking about a car accident. I'm not talking about old age. We're talking about the condition of your heart at the moment that you breathe your last breath. I have told you before that one of my primary and most very important responsibilities is to help you die well. Every one of you. But whenever I talk about death, there are people who are gripped and wrecked with fear. Some with uncertainty. Some with even a little sense of, of anger, like this really has got to happen We've all heard or read stories about people who are on, have at their, on their deathbed. And on their deathbed, they are just crying out, if I could just have one more day, if I could just have one more year, if I could just finish off this, if I could just finish my bucket list, if I could just get things right. Or we hear about people who are on their deathbed who are just riddled with guilt and shame. They're gripped with regret. But not so with our Jesus. He died incredibly well. 1 Peter 2 says, For to this you have been called, because Jesus also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He has left us an, an example so that we may follow in his steps. Jesus tells us how to suffer. If you, have been, you have been called to live out his example in your suffering and in his, your dying. Philippians chapter 3 says, Oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death. Paul wanted to become like his Savior in his death. 
Most of us don't even want to think about death. And Paul's going, I want to die like that. We're scared to death of death. We want to avoid death. We've got seatbelts. We eat right. We want to have a life expectancy that goes beyond 76 years. We want to do everything right because we're scared to death of death. And Paul is saying, man, I want to die. And when I die, I want to die like that. We, we usually want to become just like Jesus in life but not also in his death. But So in light of this truth that we are all going to die and that we are called to follow in his footsteps, to follow his example, let's look at his death and see what we can learn from his death. Listen again to our text. It was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of of the temple was torn in two. And then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. There are, for me, minimally three things that stand out. Here's the first thing. Our Savior, Jesus, died with Scripture on his lips. Father, I commit my spirit. That very last sentence of his life was from Psalm 31, verse 5. It wasn't just something that he said, made up off the top of his head. No, the the author of Scripture used Scripture in his dying moments. You squeeze Jesus, and he pours out blood. You pierce him, and he bleeds the Bible. You put him in the desert, starve him, put the devil right next to him, and what does he do? He quotes Scripture. You you put him on a cross, you torture him, and what does he do? He speaks Scripture. He comes to his dying moments of his life, and what do we find our Savior doing? Speaking Scripture. Jesus died with the Bible on his lips. We see this also for uh, different people throughout Scripture. You see it with Stephen who was martyred in, in the early church. When he was stoned, what was Stephen doing? He was looking up into heaven. He's, he beheld Christ. He saw him. And he too said, Father, into your hands I, I commend my spirit. He, he was quoting Scripture. Countless others throughout the years. The centuries died with the Bible on their lips. So when, friends, when I come to die, I want to do the same thing. I want to die thinking about Scripture. I want to die using words of Scripture, reassuring my heart, reassuring my family, reassuring my kids, reassuring my friends. Hey, this is what God says. And I want it to be in my marrow. So that when I come to die, Scripture comes out. But we also see that Jesus died with a certain kind of confidence. Jesus called, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus died with confidence knowing that when his body died, his spirit 
would live on. He knew it. Think about this. One of the favorite evangelical kind of Bible verses. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life. This ought to profoundly change the way that we look at death. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, death is not the end. Death is not the end. It's merely the means to the end. The end is, my friend, think about this. The end is eternal life, which has no end. Death is, we need to understand, death is not a cataclysmic event. It's just a door that we walk through. On the other side of that door is life unimaginable. And quite frankly, I don't think that we can really under, we, we, we lack imagination about the beauty, the glory, the wonders of, of heaven, that eternal life. Randy Alcorn in his book, I, I really recommend, grab this book. It's upstairs in our library. It's called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. If you plan on dying, which you all should, read this book. And listen to this. This is his, his, his description. When I anticipate my first glance in, of, of heaven, I remember the first time I went snorkeling. I saw countless fish of every shape, size, and color. I, and, and I just, when I thought I had seen the most beautiful fish, along came another, even more striking. Etching in my, etched in my memory is a certain sound, the sound of a gasp going through my rubber snorkel as my eyes were opened to that breathtaking underwater world. I imagine our first glimpse of heaven will cause us to similarly gasp in amazement and delight. The first gasp will likely be followed with, by many more as we continually encounter new sights in this endlessly wonderful place. And that just be the beginning because we will not see our real eternal home, the new earth, until the resurrection of the dead. And it will be better than anything we've ever seen. So look out the window. Take a walk. Talk with your friend. Use your God-given skills to paint or draw or build a shed or write a book. But imagine it, all of it, in its original condition. The happy dog with the wagging tail. Not the snarling beast beaten and starved. The flowers unwilted. The grass undying. The blue sky without pollution. People smiling and joyful. Not angry, depressed, and empty. If you're not in a particularly beautiful place, close your eyes. And envision the most beautiful place you have ever been. Complete with palm trees, raging rivers, jagged mountains, waterfalls, or snowdrifts. Think of friends or family members who love Jesus and are with him now. Picture them with you walking together in this place. All you have, all of you have powerful bodies, stronger than those of an Olympian decathlete. You are laughing, praise God for that, because I am ready for that kind of a body. 
You are laughing, playing, talking, and reminiscing. You reach up to a tree and pick an apple and an orange. You take a bite. It is so sweet. It is startling. You have never tasted anything so good. Now you see someone coming towards you. It's Jesus. With a really big smile on his face, you fall on your knees in worship. He pulls you up and embraces you. He's a human author who is just trying to get a picture and get into our heads the beauty of heaven. Friends, death is the doorway to this eternal life, which is so much more magnificent than we can even imagine. And here's the reality. One of the tricks that Satan will play on you is to get you to fear death. And when you fear death, it robs you of the joy that death will bring to those in Christ Jesus. Think about that. I'm scared of it. That's exactly what he wants you to do. Be scared of it. And Jesus is going, no! It is joyful in my presence. And the only way is through the door. The fact is, the fact there is joy and life unimaginable on the other side of death's door should not make us fear death anymore. That is what the Apostle Paul said. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? You have no sting because we know the other side and it is so much better. So Paul was talking to death in that moment. He looked at death in the faith face and started to smack it around so when we die our spirits enter a real life we can look death in the face and we can say i am not afraid we can do this because jesus has ultimately beat death we can approach death confidently like jesus did because we know our spirits will live for eternity but not only that we also see our Savior dying peacefully. Knowing that when he died, he would die in the arms of his Father. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The, the word Father in, in the Hebrew is Abba. What does Abba mean? Come on. Daddy. Papa. A more accurate translation is not the formal father. It's an intimate term. Daddy is what your kids call you when you're little, when they're little. Usually boys kind of lose that that sense of intimacy with their dads as they get older and they stop using that term. I love it when my son randomly in conversation, Daddy, Dad, instead of Father. It's a moment of intimacy and trust. I trust you. We're close. We're near. So for a few hours on the cross, here's the reality. Jesus lost that level of intimacy with his daddy. 
He, he was absorbing the full wrath of God and he cried out in a moment, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But when the fullness of his suffering had come and he had paid the price, he said, as we learned on this last Sunday, he cried out, Tetelestai. It's paid for. It is done. It is finished. And the veil of the temple was torn in two, which symbolized that we now have access to the Father through the blood of Christ and intimacy returned. Jesus finished the last statement of his life with the word, Daddy. Daddy, I'm committing my spirit into your hands. And notice that he, he didn't say into the grave or into the, the deep dark unknown or into heaven I commit my spirit. No. He cried out with a loud voice, Daddy, into your hands I commit my spirit. Tradition has it that, and I love this, you miss out on not, on not preaching. You know, spending time in this and just finding these, these amazing nuggets. But tradition has it that Psalm 31 uh, verse 5 was the prayer that Jewish fathers taught their children to pray every night at bedtime. As darkness would fall over the house, a, a Jewish father would pray with his children into your hands. I commit my spirit. It's kind of like the American version. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I this just sound, die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. No doubt Joseph, Jesus' father, prayed the same prayer with Jesus when he was a little boy. And it was the sixth hour. And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. So even on this Roman cross, Jesus died like a child, dying asleep in the arms of his father. Think about that. What a picture. In the day that that day was filled with gore and blood and pain. It was definitely beyond a rated R kind of movie if we really got the full picture of it. And in this moment, the reality is, even though it was bloody and gory, in that moment, it was beautiful and peaceful and trusting. Jesus said, Daddy, into your hands I commit my spirit. He was completely at peace in his death. He knew when he had made that final jump, that he was falling into his father's arms. And my friends, the same is true for you. For those of you who trust in Jesus Christ, you trust in the work that was done on the cross for you, when that day comes, and you breathe your last breath and close your eyes for the last time. In that moment, 
you will be caught in the arms of your heavenly Father. And in that moment, you will hear the words, Welcome home. I've got some great things planned for you. Just wait till you see the new heavens and new earth. It is going to be glorious. But welcome home. You've made it. We're all going to die. My encouragement for us, each and every one of us, is let's learn, really learn, to follow Jesus' example at his death. Let's, let's learn Scripture. Really, let's learn it. Let's have devotional lives that are more than just reading, you know, oh, okay, we're here, we're here. But say, God, what is it that you want to be stuck into my heart so that when I come to die, it's coming out? Let's be a congregation that is confident, confident, knowing that our spirit is going to live on for eternity. And let us be a people who peacefully know that we will be caught by our Father. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me. Let's pray.